Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded over three-quarters of a million times in over 150 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim Adil Savage, coming to you from Pulua country in Tasmania. In this week's episode, episode 241, we bring you the second of two episodes of on-trail recordings from my recent Tasmanian-based South Coast track trip. We hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. In this episode, I bring you the last of a series of my on-trail recordings for my recent trip on the Tasmanian South Coast track. Three of the nights that I actually spent in this uh, episode were actually away from the main camps. One was actually not in a designated campsite. Uh, Two others were in what they class as small campsites, which don't have any facilities. Partly this was for logistical reasons, also for safety reasons as well, where in one instance I was losing focus and shouldn't be hiking when you're, you're, you're losing that sort of focus. It's not a safe thing to do. So I just looked for a campsite and just pulled over. We restart this episode at Little Deadman's Bay campsite. Good morning. It's Monday the 12th. It's five minutes to seven and I'm here at Deadman's campsite. Campsite was quite a pleasant location. I mean, the ocean is probably only uh, downhill five metres and um, it's not very noisy, so you may not be able to hear it in the background, but it was certainly a, a bit of a lullier to sleep sort of thing last night. Nice campsite. However, there are leeches everywhere. So there's a couple of small informal tables which would consist of basically some rocks and some pieces of timber or some mesh. Uh, and you sit there cooking dinner and within a matter of a minute or two you've got leeches making their way to you and crawling up your legs. So it doesn't pay to stand still on this campsite. Uh, even this morning I had my tracking poles outside stuck into the ground and uh, the <coughs> there were a couple of leeches waving on top trying to find out where they could next go. So um, yeah, good campsite, but yeah, just be aware, particularly this time of the year, might be different other times, uh, just lots of leeches. Last night, or the night before, I had uh, some stuff stolen by what I thought was a bush rat, and it may well have been, uh, but I was talking to one of the other uh a campers who was nearby and they said oh they'd left some food out they got up in the middle of the night and it was a spotted quoll uh, must admit that's probably not something I would have expected to see uh, and that may have been the case last night as well or the night before so again don't leave food out at, at this site or any site really uh, even though it's a remote area the wildlife has gotten used to the fact that people mean food and they'll come in to see what's there Today's physically 
is planned to be the longest day of my trip, uh, 20 kilometres, and I'm going to be camping, or the intent is to camp at Surprise Bay, uh, and that does mean an inlet crossing, which uh, needs to be crossed at lowish tide, uh, and that means tonight, 6.57pm. So I've got a pretty cruisy sort of day, realistically 12 hours to do 20 kilometres. Um, I don't know what the conditions will be like. It might be as like it was yesterday, which was muddy um, and uh, uh, boggy, uh, but without the, the 500,000 metre ascent climb. I've got that, I've got that uh, in the next couple of days, another 500 metre climb. All right, I'm going to finish having my food and then we're going to head off. It's 8.48 on Monday the 12th of December. I'm just sitting here uh, doing my, I suppose, second beach walk, because it's been continual, but I have to go around a, a rock platform. And I'm just coming off the beach now. Uh, pleasant change, walking along the beach. Uh, I've been going in total for just on an hour and a half, and I've done 2.85 kilometres. Uh, not particularly fast. I've probably picked up a bit of speed along the beach. But having said that, there was one section where you had to walk across a, a large boulder field, which meant you had to take it really carefully in case you sort of tripped over. Reasonably stable, but yeah, just a slow process. Uh, this morning was pretty much uh, a combination of beach walking and uh, walking across boardwalks across uh, the open plains, uh, cutting through the hills through muddy tracks. Uh, not as bad as yesterday, not by no means, but still slows you down. So you know, I think so far it looks like the first day where I was averaging about 4.6 kilometres an hour. That's a, an anomaly. I think really, uh, as I said, I've uh, been you know, 2.85 kilometres in an hour and a half. So call it a kilometre every half an hour, which is slow walking. But at least it gives you an idea. Um, I'm heading towards Surprise Bay uh, and at the moment uh, I've got a long beach walk for about four odd kilometres uh, but that's coming up in around about two, two and a bit kilometres time uh, so that'll be hopefully a bit of speed up there uh, to counteract the slow going through the bushland enjoying it, the weather's good, uh, lovely scenery uh, so yeah, no, great walk, but a, a hard walk, there's no doubt about it, and in all honesty, uh, no, usually I say this till the end, this walk really is for experienced walkers only, um, and there was two walkers uh, we came across yesterday, they passed me going, I was coming down the hill, they passed me going back up, and it was late in the afternoon, and they were going to try and go up and over uh, the ironbound mountain range um, and that was never going to happen they said if they couldn't make that they were going to camp on top they came back in um, probably about an hour and a half two hours after I got into camp uh, one of the couple had uh, knee injuries uh, and basically they they were going to be trying to do the whole of the Port Davy track they're now turning around and following coming back this way towards Cockle Creek which is where they started from so yeah, it's um, physically demanding, very gruelling, uh, but lovely scenery. So yeah, it's uh, experienced hikers only, that's, that's my comment. Okay, I'll talk to you later. 
It's 10.43. I've just come down onto the last water source before a long beach walk uh, and then the riverlet or the river crossing by boat uh, further down the beach. Uh, the recommendation is to top up water here. Now I've got a fairly full bat load of water anyway. I just had a, a good drink and I topped up a small bladder. So I don't think it'll be an issue. It's not a hot day. You can probably hear a bit of noise in the background. I'm standing between the ocean and the creek that's coming downstream. And I'm going to have to get wet. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the things of aiming for high tide uh, for the boat crossing, which makes it easier to get the boats in, means you get wet feet at this point here. All right, I'm going to have a short break just as I've gotten around the corner. And I'll head off along the beach. Good afternoon. It's six minutes past one. I'm sitting here at New River, having just done the inlet crossing three times. So first time over, I took my pack over. Uh, then I had to collect the boat from this side, take that one back, uh, drop it off. So there was a boat each side and then row back over here. So uh, that was quite physically demanding because I was doing it by myself, having to drag the boat down to the water. Uh, and then drag it back up at the other end. So it's, I think I've probably used my arms more on this hike than I ever have on a hike before. Um, the row over itself is not too bad. The inlet's actually fairly, fairly shallow. I think for probably two-thirds of it, it's probably only about 40 centimetres deep. Um, so worst-case situation, you probably could swim over. Um, but it's keeping the gear dry that would be the issue. So I'm just going to sit here, have a bit of a lunch break, have a chat to the, the two people who are just about to come over now, uh, and then I'll uh, head off uh, with the intent of camping at Surprise Bay. Good morning. It's 5.08 on Tuesday the 13th of December. I'm here in my tent and as much as I had planned to stay at Surprise Bay last night, uh, I just got to the stage during the afternoon that I was just losing focus, which is not a good time to be hiking. So I decided just to pitch a tent on the top of the, the hill that I'm on at the moment, which is the one leading down towards Surprise Bay. Yesterday was an interesting day in, in so many ways. Um, I left Little Deadman's uh, camp fully expecting to get to Surprise Bay uh, and I felt we fell short by about just on two kilometres, so not too far short of uh, where I was supposed to be. But ideally I was trying to make low tide at the inlet crossing, um, so I'm going to have to see what happens this morning when I get there. It's listed as potentially dangerous crossing in high tide. Uh, so basically it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when I get there. I may find that I have to wait uh, for a fair chunk of the day to get across. So I'll see what happens. Um, so yesterday's walk, that was the crossing at Pryon Inlet, which was pretty good. Uh, I have never used my arm so much with really rowing backwards and forwards three times. 
Um, I think it'd be good doing it as a group. You'd be able to share the boat with a few people and uh, get across without everyone having to row three times. But it's it's a it's a good crossing. Um, it just takes a little little working out how to get in and out, and dragging the boat down to the water is not an easy thing. From the boat crossing at Prime, I crossed inland and virtually followed back along the river uh, or the, the inlet, and then turned in, uh, along the coast. And the vegetation changed from uh, coastal vegetation back to the, the traditional inland uh, Tasmanian vegetation, and with it the mud. There was a turn-off to Osridium Beach, which the large group that I was actually travelling with, uh, that's where they headed to last night, uh, just to sort of have a bit of a break. I continued on to Surprise Bay, and that's when the track got really interesting. Um, so probably around about, I'd say, three or 400 metres down from the sign, I sank to crotch depth in mud in both legs. So I thought, oh, I just sat there for a while. I thought, oh, this is lovely. Uh, <laughs> and then just had to worm my way back out uh, of uh, of the mud. You know, I'd done so well to... I don't mind uh, mud, but <laughs> when you sink sort of crotch depth, I thought, this is, this is not good. Thankfully, I did have my rain pants on, um, and I think it was a good move. It was just rain pants, no no pants underneath. So I stayed dry, but uh, you just end up best being mucky. And this is probably the muddiest section of the whole trail, so far at least anyway, so I'll see what happens. Um, I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying not to create a braided trail by going through the mud, but uh, I don't know why. Usually I test the, the mud with my walking sticks. I didn't on this occasion. Uh, so lesson learned. So I got myself back out, came across or went went back around where everyone else had d- decided to go, which was creating braided trail, but even that was fairly muddy as well. Continued on up the hill uh, and um, I just found that um, uh, it was funnier actually that yeah, you get up a, a tall hill and there's still mud patches uh, as you go, so on the downhill sections of as you go up and down the hill, you often get muddy sections um, and then on the uphill sections it's it 's reasonably dry and clean so it 's just interesting um, set up tent in what I found you know it was a, it was a wasn 't an ideal campsite. Space-wise, I had to do a bit of farming just to clean the sticks and the odd rock out of the way to fit my tent in. It was a tight squeeze, but it was uh, just the right size for my tent. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't particularly flat, so I spent a lot of my night fighting, sliding down my tent on my sleeping mat. Um, you know, and I'd stop moving, I'd be fine, I'd move, and then all of a sudden I'd slide six or seven inches down the, towards the bottom of the tent. So fitful sort of sleep, but it was, I feel a bit more rested, which is good. As I said, it's just after five o'clock now, so I'm going to uh, go through and start packing up my tent. You may or may not be able to hear it, but the wind has been quite strong all night, uh, which doesn't thrill me uh, for the, the, the crossing down below. 
but um, yeah, and we had the odd rain shower through the night as well, which at the moment has cleared through. And my tent is actually dry-ish on the outside, probably because of the wind. Um, but I'll see what happens as I uh, uh, as I progress. It's going to be a rain gear day, I think, by the look of it. Um, I'm hoping this wind is just up high and not down down low as well. Given that I fell a couple of kilometres short, I am actually running behind on my schedule. Um, I'd organised a bus for the 14th. Uh, not going to happen. Uh, really, I've, I can get to Cockle Creek on the 14th, but I'm likely to miss the pickup time for the bus. So I'm going to go through and um, I've got a satellite communicator, so I'll get my my wife to change the time of the pickup till the following day on the 15th. Uh, and that should get me there for plenty of time, but I'll see how I go. Worst case, I just have to rebook again, which is going to be an expensive option, or I'll need to get a taxi into um, Grieveton. I think it's Grieveton. Don't forgive me if I've gotten the pronunciation wrong. Uh, and get a bus back to Hobart. Or if I'm feeling really behind time, I might get a taxi back. It just depends on the timing that I get back in and, and when the buses are. Okay, well, it's pack-up time and breakfast time, and I will head off. Good morning. I've been walking now for just on three hours and I've done 3.52 kilometres, so slow going. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. Um, the rain overnight uh, made the track worse than it would have been at, uh, had it been a dry day. And even coming up, you sort of got to worry about slipping and coming down, you've got the same issue. And I had one... Uh, one slip coming out of the last campsite where it was just a big drop and there was just no way I was going to get down apart from my, my backside and as I was getting down I did slip anyway so now I'm at the top of this hill uh, and now I've got to go back down again and I've got to deal with the slipperiness on the downside so that'll slow me down. Um, overall not a bad day, it's cool, uh, fairly solid cloud cover every so often you get a blue patch peeking through i can see just through the trees but i don't think it's going to be a sunny day so i'm just hoping i can get through the hills without having too much uh, uh too much to, to deal with as far as um uh what rain if, if i can help it i sent a text message to my wife on my uh, satellite communicator uh, or an email, I should say, and just asked her to change my bus pickup because originally the bus pickup was going to be on the 14th, uh, which wasn't going to help me too much. Um, so given that today is the 13th, that was only tomorrow. And while I potentially could have got there, I think I would have missed the bus cutoff time. So I've pushed it back to the 15th, uh, and I've got, as far as I sit at the moment, I've got uh, 27.2 kilometres left to go. So today, tomorrow, and the next day, so even if I only average 10 kilometres a day, that's doable. Um, and again, I'd rather take it a bit slower than try and, try and race through and try and do 15 kilometres a day. The last section of the walk is, I won't say it's easy, but it's relatively flat compared to what I've got today. Um, so I've got a large peak to deal with. It's about 400, uh, almost 500 metres in height, and that's going to keep me busy for a number of hours. 
Okay, I'm just going to have morning tea and then I'll head off again. One thing I did mean to say is I ended up crossing that um, inlet and I can't remember the name of the little place that's there. Uh, and it was a, I came with a warning that in high tides and heavy sea conditions it can be quite dangerous. And potentially I can see that being the case if you have a very high tide and uh, while the waves are up today they weren't blowing heavily into, into that area. But I can see it becoming a real issue. Managed to cross, it was around about knee depth. It wasn't a high tide, so the tide was down a bit. But again, even even had it been a, a tiny bit higher, it would have been fine. What was difficult was once you got over the, the inlet, you then had to scramble up rocks, and there was some rope there to help you before you reached a set of stairs. And I first looked at these and thought, how am I going to get up this? And as you got a bit closer, you realised there were some strategic footholds there. But, uh, yeah, it's not the easiest thing. It, you know, not, you're not necessarily expecting rock scrambling on a hike, but it does happen. Good afternoon. It's ten past twelve. I'm here at Granite Beach Campsite, just having lunch before I head up the very big mountain, which is supposed to take five to seven hours to get to the next campsite. Now, I don't know whether I will actually get there. Um, I'm happy to keep on walking until roughly 7 o'clock, so we'll see how we go. But um, that's what I tried to do last night and fell a couple of hours short. Um, either way, I'll keep on going. There are some uh, stopping campsites along the way that are designated, uh, so I don't have to go looking for a flat piece of ground. This morning, since the last podcast, was quite interesting. It was downhill... Uh, through some very muddy conditions uh, and then onto the beach. Now, the beach had stairs there, but a lot of them are washed away by the look of them. So you get to the last bit and you've almost got to climb down the chain the last couple of metres onto the beach. Walking along the beach, uh, well, before I started walking along the beach, there was a sign saying, Dangerous sea conditions at high tide uh, and slippery rocks. You know, buy beware. Basically, it's up to you to make sure, make your own choices. Um, I, when I entered the beach, it wasn't high tide, so I managed to walk along the sand at least for some of the time uh, before the water came up too high and it forced me onto the rocks. Uh, the rocks were really slow going. That is slowed things right down. So at the moment I've been going for five hours and fifty-five minutes, and I've done six point six, six point one six kilometres. So I'm doing about a kilometre per hour today. Uh, I don't know if that's going to change much, uh, given that I've got this hill to go up, and if it's like the other hills, it'll be wet and slippery and slow going, and then the same back down again. Uh, continuing along the beach. Um, again, it was just a really slow, slow process walking along these big boulders, and it just, you know, you just seemed to be, didn't seem to be getting there. It's just one foot in front of the other, and slowly the end of the beach got closer and closer. A couple of small creeks you had to cross, uh, but in a lot of cases they were either buried with rocks, so you didn't notice them. It's interesting to hear the ocean water come up over the rocks uh, and then hear the rocks tumbling back down as well. So you can see that the rocks move around quite a bit with the ocean. Uh, so, yeah, you, you really do want to pay attention, even though you might be quite high up. Got towards the end of the beach, and as I approached, I could see uh, a rope and some boys hanging down near the waterfall. And I thought, 
this is surely not the the access point. Uh, and in all honesty, if it was, I was getting ready to turn around uh, and either walk my way back out again or get a helicopter out because in all honesty, it was, this wouldn't have been safe. Uh, I've done rock climbing and I, I wouldn't have been comfortable doing it. Uh, I, just to make sure, I dropped my gear off. I crossed the last of the serious water crossings. Uh, they got to around about knee depth, so roughly around about 50 to 60 centimetres deep. Uh, and there was a fair bit of pressure in that, uh, probably more so than any of the other inlet crossings I've done. Uh, it, was, it wasn't difficult, but you just had to sort of take one careful step at a time. So just to go through and have a look and see what was there, I left my pack on the other side, walked over and then walked down to where the access point was and thankfully got around the corner and discovered that, yes, there was a bit of a climb, but it was an easy climb and it didn't look dangerous. Um, you still had to grip your way up uh, these handholds that were having water flowing down them, uh, but it worked out okay. So I got myself up to the top and right at the top is where the, the, uh, the creek comes out and that's where the waterfall comes from. From there, it was probably a couple of hundred metres into the camp itself. And this camp is really lovely. Um, it just has that special feel about it. Uh, and while I still haven't got, been to all the camps yet, I've just got a few to go, uh, this one so far has the best character. It's multi-level. Um, the trees are quite nice. Lots of little fairy wrens hopping around. Uh, you know, you've got your, you can form together as a group in one area, you can separate out. Um, it just has that good feel about it. So certainly if I, if I was going to stay anywhere at a campsite between now and the end of the, the, the uh, walk, this would be one I wouldn't mind doing. Okay, I will press on because I've got five to seven hours worth of walking to go. It's 9.44 on December 13th and I'm here in my tent uh, just below the summit of the South Cape Range. So this afternoon at lunchtime I headed off and supposedly this trip to uh, the next campsite was going to take five to seven hours. Uh, it took seven hours, and I'm basically just over the crest, and I've still got another uh, another roughly five kilometres to go. <laughs> the mud and the water uh, just made things so much slower. Um, you know, going up, you had to be careful you didn't lose footing. Going down, you had, you had to be careful you didn't lose footing. So in the book, it talks about five to seven hours for the whole ascent and descent. Uh, not going to happen with the way things are going at the moment. We also got a bit off track today as well, uh, and partly that's because I followed a braided trail and it sort of came to a dead end, um, and there was a number of dead ends. So I got back on track again uh, after about 10 minutes and continued on. Uh, the campsite here is actually quite nice. It's a small campsite. There's only two two tent sites. It's only meant as the occasional tent site rather than being a permanent group one with the toilet and lots of options. Uh, but I, this was pretty much always the plan. I thought the way things are going, there's no way I'm going to get to South Cape Rivulet, which is where I planned on going. 
one thing I've done is also push the trip an extra day and uh, instead of picking up the bus tomorrow back to Hobart, it's actually the next day. Uh, I had that day up my sleeve anyway uh, and uh, it just allows me to not have to rush. I only got about 16 kilometres to go but I thought the, the bus was, to, was going to pick me up at 3 o'clock and I thought probably okay but I'd be probably pushing it to get there on time. So as a result, I pushed it back an extra day. I've got 16 kilometres to do in the next two days, which is quite doable. And I'll do whatever I can tomorrow. The plan is to go past South South Cape Fribulet to another small campsite. Or or the alternative is to go to Cockle Creek. But again, if I go to Cockle Creek, it'll be past the the time the bus would have picked me up. So it's likely to be sort of 5, 6 o'clock if I get there. I'm just assuming that the last section from from uh, South Cape Rivulet to Copple Creek is going to be the same as today with lots of mud. Uh, but having said that, though, there's no massive ascents and descents. Uh, so there is there, there is ascents and descents, but they're not compared to what we today and yesterday. Fairly tired. Um, I've only just got myself having dinner, um, putting the tent up, and into bed now and <laughs> removing leeches I had a couple of leeches actually um, one virtually where the sock level was and one in between my toes God knows how it ended up there um, you know I was walking through a lot of mud today but you think couldn't have been the most comfortable thing for to be a leech being squashed every time you move uh, but uh, never mind um, so far so good that's all I've actually got um, but uh, We'll see what happens. Okay, I am going to bed because I am pretty tired. Talk to you later. Good morning. It's Wednesday the 14th of December. It's 6.54am in the morning and I'm packed up. All I've got to do is put on my gaiters and put on my pack cover and I'm right to go. I uh, had a fairly good sleep last night, having a flat campsite, not having to fight fight gravity sliding down the uh, uh, the, the the tent all night. Um, had a good sleep overall, um, and I needed it too. There was wind, which you can possibly hear in the background, uh, and I'm pretty much at not a high point, but I'm at a higher point than I have been for any of the other camps I've done. Looking down the trail. I can see there is mud, but I can't see any water, but I'm sure the water will be there. I discovered last night, as I think as I mentioned in the last uh, update, that I had a, a leech in my foot, or in my, in my toes, and I'm trying to work out how it got there, and I realised this morning I've torn the front half of my shoe open, uh, so any mud is getting in there, and any potentially leeches are getting in there as well. So these shoes will have to do me today and tomorrow, and then they're gone. They've lasted pretty well, so it's not the shoes' fault. There's some pretty harsh conditions on this sort of trail. Today and tomorrow, I've got 16 kilometres to do, which is doable. And, and in fact, it sounds quite easy. And in, in most cases, I think most hikers would be able to do 16 kilometres in a day or uh, you know, a day and a bit depending on their fitness. Uh, but having said that, yesterday I was averaging one kilometre an hour. Uh, that was what the conditions were like. 
So I've got about five kilometres to go to the next camp. Um, and I'm hoping I'll get there by lunchtime, given I'll leave just after seven. It's five hours. Um, but if I get there earlier, that'll be good. I will actually push on from there. There's, a, again, another campsite, you know, a small campsite without the toilet, without facilities, and, and really the facilities are the toilet, uh, that uh, I just want to get a head start on. I'm just not sure what the terrain is like. If it's anything like this and I'm only averaging one kilometre an hour and I've got about 11 kilometres to go from that site, I really don't feel like having to rush to get through to the bus at uh, 12.30. So, as I said, I'll, I'll go to that campsite. That'll give me a couple of kilometres extra. I may even get enthusiastic and camp on the beach. I'll see how I go because there's a couple of beach walks uh, in that next section. So I'll see what happens from there. Uh, definitely overpacked with food. I knew that coming into this, uh, and it was a bit of a couple. It was a couple of reasons more than anything else. One, my tastes have changed. What I used to be comfortable and happy with eating over the last few years, just don't feel like it anymore. So, um, at the end of this uh, uh, trip, and for as part of the trip write-ups concerned. I'll go through and update my weekly food roster because that's something I get questioned about all the time, what it is I eat. And in all honesty, food is a very personal thing. You either like it or you don't. Uh, just because it suits me doesn't necessarily mean it suits everyone else. But it does give people a starting point to which to work with. Um, having the extra foods handy, because I have actually delayed my bus pickup, and that means I've got an extra day that I need to cater for, so I haven't got any hot meals tonight. Uh, but I do have capsicum dip and bread. I've still got peanut butter, and I've still got cheese as well. So I'm not going to go hungry, although the variety is not going to be as much as I would like. But yeah, plenty of food, and if all, all else becomes desperate, I can start eating the cereal. Uh, but yeah, I've just gone off cereal this trip. Okay, I will push on. Good afternoon, it's 1.23pm. I'm here at the Little Rivulet campground after having crossed the Little Rivulet, um, which is basically just a, an inlet. Um, this was potentially the worst of the inlets. Um, I decided I'll just test it out and see how it goes. Got about halfway across and thought, oh, i just keep on going. Uh, got to about weight, uh, just below waist depth. And... Uh, Again, the tracking poles were quite handy because I was just talking to another couple that just turned up. They said the, the bottom changed direction or dropped uh, from area to area. So I think having the tracking poles to test out where the low points are and where the high points are is fairly handy. Uh, when I crossed, it was really sunny. It was warm. It was probably about the best part of the day. And then it disappeared. Um, started raining. I thought I'll hang all my gear up. I dried off, started raining, so I quickly put it all away. And now the sun has started to come back out again. So really erratic sort of weather. So I just wanted to do a recording. Uh, I'll have some lunch. Uh, managed to de-leach myself. So again, I got a leech. I don't know where these leeches go. Um, they obviously have their fill and just drop off somewhere and fall out the bottom of my pants. At least that's what I'm hoping. Um, and now I'll head off. 
The plan is to head to one of a couple of campsites further down the track. I've got about 11, 11 and a half kilometres to do in total to Cockle Creek, uh, but rather than try and have to worry about timing for tomorrow at 12.30, I'd rather uh, uh, take do a couple of extra kilometres today, take a bit of time um, tomorrow and make it nice and easy on me. I'll still get up early and leave early. I'll probably still leave by 6.30, uh, but that gives me six hours to do what supposedly takes three or four hours. In talking to people that have done the track that I've passed, they said first hill is a bit muddy, but uh, uh, then onto the second beach, and after that it's pretty good. So hopefully that's the case. Um, I've actually decided to lose the gaiters. Um, I've still got the rain gear on, and I'll see what happens. But the gaiters are just a sodden mess at the moment. So again, I just knocked most of the mud off and just letting them dry out for a little while. Okay, I am heading on. The other thing I forgot to mention was that um, coming into Little Rivulet Campground, I came across three pairs of hikers. Uh, uh, first up was a, a male and a female that looked like they were in their 20s, uh, mother and daughter. Uh, who had done this track before, um, and then another male couple, um, or my male hiking partners, uh, they were doing heading off. Most people seem to be doing the Port Davy track, so it seems to be that people starting this end, um, obviously it's cheaper to get the bus in and not have to worry about flying into Melaleuca. Um, at this campground there's uh, a single female and another young couple who's just crossed in behind me doing the river crossing or the rivulet crossing as well. Uh, so everyone's starting to bunch up at this end as they head out towards getting the vehicles back to Hobart. And in fact the young couple that's here has actually got uh, their own car so it makes it nice and easy for them. Good evening. It's 7.38pm. I'm here in my tent after having dinner and doing a bit of uh, domestic chores. I left South Coast Rivulet and headed on roughly around about four and a half kilometres to the end of the beach section, which is the last uh, formal section of beach that we see. So if you see beach from now on, it's a, it's a glimpsed view as we start heading inland. The beach itself was relatively easy to cross, crossing a reasonably even-sized boulder field uh, and then onto sand. Uh, and again, this was one of these these beaches where I'm thinking, how are we going to get up the top? And originally, as I approached, I thought, OK, it looks like we might be scrambling up uh, dunes, which wouldn't have been too good for the dune system. But as you get a bit closer, you could see a set of constructed stone and timber steps and the stone was about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way up, and then that changed to timber steps towards the top. Once you get up the top, there's a short walk, and then there's get to this lovely warning sign saying, basically, large sections of the cliff can break away without notice. Uh, cross this area at your own risk, uh, which I think is really interesting because I don't think it's, it's mentioned anywhere until you get onto the track. So it's... Um, uh, yeah, it had to be standing pretty close to the edge in all honesty, which is just sheer stupidity, but uh, I suppose the government's got to, got to cover themselves in that respect. They led us up just around a short headland on the top of the rocks, 
and then up over into the bushland again and there's our camping site. Now it's a non-formal camping site, camping's allowed but it's not, you know, no signs and in all honesty it's not the best camping site. Um, realistically it's another sloping site and I had to do a really weird pitch to get it as close as I possibly could uh, to make it, <laughs> you know, it's not perfect by any means. I've got a reasonably flat lay uh, but I'm sloping slightly to the right. So it's going to be interesting to see how I go all night. But I think that's a better option than sliding down the mattress. Had dinner. I've got a couple of pair of pants and um, my gaiters are hung up to dry. Uh, I've been wearing rain pants the last few days, which hasn't been a bad thing considering all the water uh, I've need- and mud I've needed across coming down the tracks. I understand, I'm not sure just yet, that over the next kilometre or two, it's back to boardwalk and decent bush track and I lose all the mud and that's what's been slowing me down. So the walk this afternoon, roughly four and a half, five kilometres, um, which leaves me, I think about four, kilometers, four and a half kilometres because it leaves me 7.3 kilometres still to travel tomorrow to catch the bus at 12.30. Now, I'm not moving overly fast and the conditions certainly don't help that. So I'll get up in the morning and I'll probably be on my way by 6 o'clock just so I can uh, make sure I get to the bus by 12.30. This trip really has taken it out of me physically. Uh, I was probably at my fittest about three weeks ago and due to a number of circumstances had to sort of cut back on the exercise to do a lot of other things. Um, So the fitness did drop. But yeah, it's you know the last few days I've amounted doing what amounts to squats and step ups, and when I got onto a boardwalk section today, I had to almost learn how to walk again. It was just really weird. Uh, it wasn't a, a normal movement. I kept on trying to lift my legs, but that's the sort of thing that I've been dealing with the last few days. You can probably hear in the background the beach. Uh, I'm at the top of the cliff, uh, inland as well, but not that far. So pretty much have had the, the beach noise since I arrived and I think that's going to well it will continue all night the only time it would ever not be here is if the wind had stopped and the waves had stopped and it was nice and calm nice little spot a bit of sunlight out uh, as I said it's not that late but I'm pretty tired and I was starting to doze off so I thought I'd better do this recording normally me dozing off at this time of the night is, uh, is a rarity so it shows you how tired I am All right, I will have to push it tomorrow to get my bus. Um, But yeah, if I leave at six, that gives me six and a half hours. So even if I'm only doing a kilometre and a bit an hour, that covers it. But again, the conditions improve, so I'm hoping to move a bit faster than that. Okay, good night. It's 6.06 a.m., on day 15 of my trip on the southwest track in Tasmania and I've just finished packing up my tent all I'm doing is just sitting on uh, my pack cover and after I've done this recording I'll go. I had planned on getting away somewhere between quarter to six and six o'clock and realistically it'll be sort of ten past quarter past by the time I get, get away probably closer to ten past. Good night's sleep last night. You may or may not be able to hear the ocean in the background. It was pretty constant all night, but I quite enjoy that sound. Um, Up on top of the hill uh, in a nice protected area, so there was a breeze, which I didn't feel in the tent, but it was enough to dry my pants off from a few days ago. 
wasn't enough to dry my socks off. They were sopping wet and muddy still. I, for some reason, at this site, it's a very sloping sort of site. There really is one perfect spot to get a flat pitch on the tent. Uh, I picked it, and then when I put the tent up, I offset it by about 40 centimetres, which made all the difference. So I was sloping to the uh, right and sloping downhill towards my head, which is not the best option. Sloping to the feet is a better option. You just end up sliding into the uh, top of the tent, and it just, it just doesn't feel right. So I've been told that this track is um, relatively clean, although there's a bit of mud up the trail between now and back to Cockle Creek. And also, looking at the maps, there's no big hills. I'm sure there's lots of undulations, but there's nothing I've got to climb 152 metres up, to, according to the maps at least anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay, i better keep going because I've got to get meet my transport by 12.30 and I've got 7.3 kilometres to go. Doesn't sound a lot, but the way I've been travelling the last few days, I want to make sure I get there in time. Talk to you later. Good morning. It's 9.40. I'm here at the Cockle Creek Trailhead. I've finished the South Coast Walk, and without a doubt, that's the hardest walk, hardest physical thing that I've ever done. Um, it was a hard slog. I uh, got here with plenty of time this morning. Really, it's um, I left at 6.15, um, I've been here probably, I've had a toilet break, I've had a wander around, taken some photos, um, gotten sorted out. So I've been here probably since around about nine o'clock, so it took me just on three hours. Uh, and that was with breaks along the way, just decided to stop and take in the view where I could, when there was a good seating position. Track itself was pretty good, there was a bit of mud at the very start for a short period, then it was a fairly clean, dry track. Lots of boardwalk, and then back into mud and rocky trail, which took a bit of navigating. Um, so all up, really three hours, and probably you get from yesterday as well, I'll say three and a half hours, so six and a half hours. So if you're meeting the bus at 12.30, it means you need to be walking by six. And in all honesty, I'd probably say, look, start walking at five, it's sunny then, and it gives you plenty of time. If you, you leave any later, you're going to be worrying about missing the bus, which is what I was going to do. A lot easier to walk uh, with the conditions that were here, uh, and uh, it was a nice little walk, actually. So all up very good, uh, and that's it for this trip. So we're here with Dan from Tasmania's Wilderness Experiences uh, and Dan has just dropped me back from the South Coast track. Uh, amongst many things, this is one of the services they have on offer. So unless you happen to be a local or have, know someone that's going to come and pick you up, a transport service is the best option. We're going to have a talk to, to Dan about what services they do have on offer. Dan, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. G'day. Um, yeah, so... As you said, my name's Dan. I started with Tasmanian Wilderness Experiences about a month ago. And basically, I just drive over to all the corners of Tasmania and pick people up from their hikes or dropping them off of their hikes. And then we'll pick them back up at the end, usually. Now, you picked me up from Cockle Creek, which is the finish of my walk. But I also believe a lot of people are dropped into Cockle Creek and fly out of Melaleuca or we will continue on and do the Port Davy track. Is that right? Yes, it is. So most people fly in um, into Metaluka and then they get picked up at Cockle Creek. 
Um, we do also pick people up from uh, Scotts Peak Dam, where if you were to do the um, start at Cockle Creek and walk through to Melaleuca and then you get onto the Port Davy, and then we um, we could pick you up at the end of that at Scotts Peak Dam as well. So how often do you run these services, and it is, is it a year-round service? Yeah, so it, it is quite seasonal. Um, summertime, it, it's pretty busy. Um, there's there's multiple vans going out every day, um, especially December, January. Um, and um, But yes, it, it is like a, an any-time-of-the-year um, service. Now, I believe you can also do um, special requests as well, which in my case is what I did where I didn't want to wait for a, a designated trip and you can just request your own bus. Is that right? Yep. Yes, it is. Um, and I can pick you up from almost almost anywhere in, in Tasmania or drop you off. All right. Now, that's great. So we've been talking to Dan from Tasmanian Wilderness Experiences. Uh, thank you very much for your time and thank you for dropping me back in Hobart. Thanks, mate. So that was the second of my on-trail recording episodes uh, and the last of my trip on the South Coast track in Tasmania. I'll go into much more detail about things that I learned on the trip and things that will help you make this a better adventure for you if you choose to do it. But a couple of comments I would like to make about some of the recordings that you would have just gone through and listened to. Firstly, um, when I first started this trip, I was talking to one of the group uh, and they made the comment, it wasn't so much about the distance, it was about the time. And that's probably something that's really worthwhile thinking about on this trip. When you think of a trip that's 85 kilometers long, uh, fairly keen, fit, experienced hikers can probably do that in four to five days without too much problem. And I expected to do this trip in the five days. What that doesn't take into account is the weather conditions, uh, which then impact on the conditions of the trail. So I think while I didn't have perfect conditions, I had reasonably good conditions overall. Um, and I think it's going to be one of those things. You can either have very dry weather for a few weeks beforehand, maybe in the middle of summer, uh, and have a lot easier trip going through. You could also have a lot heavier rainfall, which may have added another additional day or two to the trip uh, over and above what I ended up doing. So it's the sort of trip where you can't just say, I'm capable of doing this many kilometers in this many days. Uh, I potentially could have gotten out at my original designated time on the 14th. It was looking like I was going to be about three hours late for the bus, so I opted to add an extra day. Um, alternatively, I just could have kept on going and pushed myself. You would have heard on a couple of areas through those interviews where my I really did sound tired. And in fact, there was one of the thing, one of the recordings that I listened back to. It almost sounded like my speech was slurring a bit, and that was after a night's sleep. So that was the physical impact that this track was having on me. Uh, and as I said, I ended up camping away from any designated campsites. And in all honesty, I'm not sure whether I was supposed to do that or not. But, uh, you know, I fell short of Surprise Bay by roughly two kilometers. And it only took me roughly 40 to 50 minutes the next morning to get there. But from a safety aspect, 
me continuing to keep on going, I wouldn't have been making good choices. I would have got to the inlet to do an inlet crossing, uh, and it may or may not have been a better choice or better time to do it, uh, but I wouldn't have been thinking rashly when it came time to make that decision. So sometimes you've just got to call it quits and thinking, no, it's just not worth it to keep on going. I found, and I will make this comment and go into it in more detail, this is by far the most difficult physical thing that I have ever done. Um, I was really wrecked at the end of this trip. Um, And in fact, I ended up needed needed to have a very good massage at the end of it because I was struggling to walk after multiple days of essentially doing step-ups, sit-downs, lunges and squats and not actually walking. And that's what the trail involved, getting over and around it. Now, that's partly to do with my age. I'm a bit older than the average hiker and I was one of the, the oldest hikers on that trip. But it's certainly, for me, doing the Bibbulmun Track in 2018, a 1,000 kilometres, that was a much easier trip. It was about endurance. It wasn't about physical impact, as I said, more about endurance. And I think uh, there's a very different uh, degree of uh, physical requirement for endurance training as opposed to just bloody hard work. There's no two ways about it. The last night camping on the trail, uh, I had just started walking, probably about five metres, and I saw something dart across the track. Uh, and stopped just in the brush just off the side of the trail. I sort of had looking through the gap in the foliage, and I saw a spotted quoll. So uh, whatever animal decided to steal my spoon uh, on the the second night of the trip, uh, I thought it might have been a bush rat because that's what I've been used to in the past. Uh, And particularly in mainland Australia, spotted quolls aren't particularly common but they obviously are very common. And from talking to people, they say they do tend to associate people with food. And given that someone else saw a spotted quoll on one of the, at uh, Little Deadman's uh, Bay, it's probably a good chance that whatever stole my spoon was a spotted quoll rather than the bush rat. Uh, didn't get a chance to get a photo of it because as soon as I sort of got to see it, it, it just shot off. So it's one of those sort of things that, uh, glad I saw one. It's the first time I've ever seen a spotted quoll in the wild, uh, and it was really interesting. In listening to the very last recording, uh, you, you would have heard that I got through to Cockle Creek at around about nine o'clock, so that was roughly two and a half to three hours. And I was actually managing the first hour, I did three kilometres quite comfortably. Uh, so I, once I'd done that first hour, I thought, okay, I don't have to push myself. And I, and I wasn't really pushing myself. It was just a, an easy trail to walk on. And this made things so much easier to get there. And, and as I said, I got there. By the time I got there, I went to the bathroom, took some photos, had a wander around and did the recording at around about 9.30. I had three hours to wait until uh, my transport came to pick me up. I'm glad I had the extra day. It just took all the pressure and the stress out and I had actually factored in additional time uh, should I need it. That's all for this on-trail episode. In the next episode, episode 242, we look at reality versus expectations and this is where I look at my pre-trip expectations and see how they actually panned out in real life and go through and make a series of recommendations based on my actual trip about things that would have made it better for me 
And hopefully, if you're looking at doing this trip, we'll make your life a bit easier on trail. That's all for me. Bye for now.